the 23rd chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, and I'm skipping around reading a number of verses. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples. Talk to the multitude now. Saying, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. That tradition's all right. That background's all right. They have the right kind of a background. Nothing wrong with it. Now notice. Therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But notice. But do not add to their works. For they say and do not. Now wait a minute. When I read that again this morning, I thought about a fellow I know. I went to college with him. And he's a buddy of mine still, though I don't agree with him. We belong to the same college fraternity. One day he told me he didn't believe in the vicarious blood atonement. He didn't believe that Christ bore the sins of men on the, in his body on a cross. Well, I said, what are you preaching? Called him by his first name. Well, he said, Bob, I've changed my mind since you and I went to college together. I heard that fellow have to make that statement to me, stand up in his pulpit, and for 30 minutes plead with that crowd for loyalty to their church. And that fellow was digging out from under the foundation, the main foundation stone upon which his church had been built. And yet he was crying, Lord. Now that's exactly what they had back here. This man was saying to him, Stand by Judaism. Hurrah for Israel! Now, he said, that's all right, but that's not what they're doing. They're wrecking Israel. They're undermining Israel. They're enemies to Israel. That's not what they mean. They mean stand by us. And the same voice can be heard up and down this country today. There are modernistic conspirators in schools and colleges and in pulpits, Trinitarian pulpits in this nation that are standing up and crying, loyalty, 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 being regular, when they themselves are enemies to every foundation upon which that church has been built. That's one of the tragedies of our day. Now notice, for they uh, bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of our things. They talk about burdens, but don't carry them. They take care of themselves. They sit in the nice chairs and comfortable ecclesiastical positions and sit there and hold their whip over them and drive folks when they themselves are not loyal to the things which they're supposed to stay. Now, I want you to notice we go on down here. We've got to skip around a little. He said they love the upper, uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. They want the high position. They want the exalted place. And they like to be greeted in the market streets here comes Dr. So-and-so and the Reverend Mr. So-and-so and here he comes. And How are you, doctor? How are you, rabbi? They want the center of the stage. And he said, uh, And be ye not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ. All ye are brethren. The brotherhood. Say, listen just a minute. The brotherhood of the saints, the converted Baptists, the converted Methodists, the converted brethren, all of them are one in Jesus Christ. All of them. They belong to the body of Christ. Every Christian in the world is a member of the body. Jesus Christ. Now he said, you're all brethren here. He said, call no man your father upon earth. For one is your father which is in heaven. Now language couldn't be plainer than this. The exaltation of somebody over the human soul. Somebody stepping between you and your God. Somebody walking up uh, and taking a place above you. Between you and Jesus Christ. 
Now, these are plain words. They're in the Bible that we are supposed to believe. Now, I'm going to skip on down here a few verses. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Say, let me tell you something. You never heard words like these. You talk about sensationalism. You talk about a man talking out in meetings. You talk about a prophet of God denouncing men in the position of leadership. He said some here, Woe unto you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Never a man speak like he spake. These words blistered when he spoke. Hypocrites. Humbles. Religious crooks. Ecclesiastical dictators and bosses. Telling folks what to do and not doing it yourself. Wanting positions for yourself. Want to be exalted above everybody else and tell everybody else what to do. He devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you receive greater damnation. He didn't stop now. He keeps driving home. Woe unto you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. For you compass sea and land to make one proselyte. Come on and join our sick church and please ask us set up and help us put it over. He says, what do you do for him when you get him proselyted? said, when he's made, when you make a proselyte out of it, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourself. You kick him down the road ahead of you towards hell. Now, don't, don't blame me. I'm just reading how this is in the Bible. These are the words of the lips of Jesus Christ. Warn ye blind guides. Blind guides. Trying to lead the people with no spiritual eyesight. Blind guides. Which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it's nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a devil. Ye fools and blind. For whether is greater the gold or the temple, it's sanctified the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the old, it is nothing, but whosoever swears by the gifts that is upon it, he is guilty. Oh, how these ecclesiastical, political, religious leaders, how they get so technical about a lot of little nothings. So very careful. Did you notice how he said that? Do you notice how he dotted his I, crossed his T? He didn't do it like he's one of us. Splitting hairs. And hairs that are too little to split. They've been split till this very little hair left. I'll skip on down here. Get some more of the woes. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Ye pay tithe of men. Bring it all into our storehouse. I get letters every day from somebody that's had a letter from some modernistic boss. That tells him, bring all your tithe into our storehouse. And they say, I've been helping a 
independent movement a little. And you know what? I've had this letter from so-and-so. Dr. Bob, what do you think about it? I have no trouble expressing my opinion because it's easy for me. <laughs> Let me tell you Christian something, and I'm not knifing anybody. Nobody but God Almighty has a right to dictate to you where you put your money. I believe in God Almighty having something to do with it. I believe in talking things over with God. I had a woman not long ago that said, you know, I want to, I've got some money and I'm just wondering about whether to give it all to Bob Jones University. And I said, sister, I don't think Bob Jones University would want it all. We wouldn't mind having our share of it. I've never told any Christian anywhere in the world to give all he has to Bob Jones University. There are other causes in this country. And me, these folks that try to take all your money and put it in one treasury are out of line with God Almighty and the freedom of the human soul. Now, that's straight talking, but I'm sure of it. Could you pay tithe and mint and all that? And you've neglected the weightier matters, the big things, regeneration, spiritual affairs. You've neglected the big, big things of the law and all those things. You overlook me. Ye blind guides, which strain a gnat and swallow a camp. Got a little gnat in your throat and try to get out and camel goes down. <laughs> Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside, make it look good. Yeah, we've got to make a good appearance, you know. Show up all right. Press your pants. Comb your hair. Get your garments all right. Make it look good, you know. You know you know the devil can't put on anything if he makes it look good. The devil couldn't put over anything that damns somebody makes it makes it makes it look good. Fix it up. But let me tell you something, you know, God wants it to look good too, but God said uh, keep that inside right. Keep the inside right. Keep the inside the cup. Don't just make it look right out. Make it look right inside. Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes. Sam Jones said, when God says, woe, you better stop. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, be ye like uh, the whited sepulchres. Pretty tomb. What a lovely tomb. I went by a church not long ago. They opened it on Sunday morning and have a side room for the women to meet for a little social get-together and a tea. Oh, it was magnificent tomb. Whole gang of them were dead. 
Beautiful too. He said, that's what you are, you blind guide, you man on our right. You've got you here, a beautiful sepulcher, where you, your dead, uh, have been buried. Dead man's bones inside. Even so, ye all outwardly appear righteous unto man, and within are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes. You know, he just keeps trying to stop that horse. Whoa, 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 whoa! And you wait till the real woes come to some of them. Warn you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. And say, if we'd been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witness unto yourselves that ye are the children of them that uh, kill the prophets. You've inherited the evil propensities and tendencies of your fathers at Israel. They give you, gave you a little push down the road. I'd like to go on, but I too many of this to take up time here. I'll get never get the text. Then he comes down and as a sob gets in his throat. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How often I gather thy children together as a chicken gathers a brood under her wings, but she would not. Why not? Because the religious bosses held them back. That's why. Don't you ever get the wrong idea about the people in that country. Jesus had some friends among the Pharisees. A lot of those Pharisees were Christians. They were saved. I don't think there's any doubt about Nicodemus being saved. Not this. I don't mean these boss and wolf Pharisees. Not that guy. You know, they had a lot of the little boys on the country circuits. And a lot of the little fellows around in the country churches and little town suburban churches, they weren't ambitious men. They wanted to preach the gospel and work for God and do their duty. And they didn't know what all was going on. They were so absorbed in the things of God. They didn't realize. Nicodemus. Nicodemus, I think, had been more or less browbeaten by the bosses himself. I used to preach a son about Nicodemus slipping around at night to see Jesus. And then I changed my mind. Heard a preacher, tried to prove to me that Nicodemus didn't go to see Jesus at night because he wanted to slip over there. But uh, later, uh, he went around to see him at night when it was convenient. And I changed my son. But I've gone back to the old position. I don't think Nicodemus wanted those religious bosses to see him talking to Jesus. But he's a humble sort of a fellow. Probably not as courageous as he should have been, like some preachers I know. Listen, there are thousands of preachers in this country and up and down our land. Many of them hid away in secluded spots. They love Jesus Christ with all their hearts. Trying to go ahead and do the best they can. But the big ecclesiastical selfish bosses in the centers sitting back there who by their own ambitions have shoved men out of the way and cried church loyalty and become religious dictators. And these little fellows have gone up. Little timid most of them. They don't know what to do. 
Nicodemus slipped over and talked to Jesus at night. You know, they had to meet the Sanhedrin in the night when, you know, when they condemned Jesus, you remember? I imagine they fixed that date so Nicodemus couldn't be there. They may have sent him off to see a sick man or something. Or maybe Nicodemus was out of town, I don't know. But they had a call meeting and probably his phone didn't answer. Something about it. Anyhow, didn't seem to get there. So uh, there they were. There they were. <laughs> had it all fixed up, you know. I think Nicodemus, I'm sure he'd have voted against the crucifixion. One time in the little meeting, he did speak up and said, Is it right to condemn a man without giving him a hearing? Is that according to law? He spoke up once or twice. Then after Jesus died, his backbone got a little stiff. And he said, oh, He's a friend of mine. I'd like to bury him. They had friends. Jesus had friends in the crowd. But they weren't running the thing. The bosses were running. These shrewd religious bosses. You know, I, I'm a sort of a politician. I don't have any trouble getting along with an average politician. But you know, some of the meanest politics ever I've seen on this earth were not pulled by the underworld. Some of the meanest politics ever been pulled on this earth have been pulled by modernistic preachers and religious bosses hid behind closed doors hatching hellish schemes to run things. I sat in a conference when I was a young preacher, when I was just as sincere as I could possibly be to try to do some good. And we said to a certain man, this program ought to be over. And this man covered the whole territory of a state. He came back to the conference a month later to report his work. And this is the first time I ever got an insight to religious politics that was crooked. And he got back there and we said, Doctor, how did you come out on the trip? Well, he said, this is the method I used. I sowed discontent everywhere I went. I put the devil in every preacher I could conduct. I looked up startled to think that it could it be possible a man with religious garments, a religious leader would talk like that. Now, wait a minute. He was not in the majority. Most of the preachers of that country were good men, sincere men. This was an unscrupulous uh, religious politician who had ambitions to crush and climb. That's the old story. There wasn't anything on God Almighty's earth to matter with those folks over there except the religious bosses. They'd wreck the temple. They'd magnified non-essentials. They'd cry loyalty. He's no friend of ours. He'd overthrow everything. They ran it. Listen, you young preachers, listen to me. You are facing today in this nation as great a satanic conspiracy as they had in that day. A religious dictatorship. The men and women 
especially men and preachers in this country that want to boss your soul. That's the condition. And what happened? He said, I'd like to have done something for you. I'd like to gather you together like a chicken takes care of its biddies. I'd like to warm you under the wings of my love. But you would not. Why not? The religious bosses stirred them up. They said, say now, everybody get together, everybody cry now, cry. Just give a yell, crucify, crucify. Everybody yell, crucify, say it together. Crucify, crucify, stampede them. Bosses did. And these religious bosses in most of the ecclesiastical machinery of this country is going to damn this country the same way. If you don't get wise to it. This is God's truth I'm giving. This isn't popular preaching. Some preacher's listening over his radio to me right now. as mad as a wet hand. But it's a God's truth I'm giving you. The freedom of your soul. That's individual freedom. Lord, what will thou have me to do? And then Jesus said, All right, let the bosses run it. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. I would have gathered your children together like chickens, gather their brood, but you would not. And your house is left unto you desolate. Oh, the desolate houses of worship in America. All the cities everywhere. And they've been made desolate by religious forces that tried to make friends with the world for the sake of position and popularity. They're desperate. I know a church that used to have power. No more power. I know schools in this country used to have power. No more power. They still have influence, but no power. He says, goodbye. I'm leaving you. You know one of the saddest things in the Bible? He said, my house, that's God's house. It's a house of prayer. He says, now, your house. Not God's house. God's house is never left desolate. The bosses had taken it over. Your house. It was God's house. And oh, how the Shekinah glory of God filled it. But it's left desolate. It's your house, take it. Goodbye.
I went in and tried to clean it up. I turned over the tables where you let the wicked world come in because you wanted to popularize spiritual matters. You said, but you didn't. Okay, Amy. Goodbye. Do the best you can. I'll be seeing you sometime. But you'll never see me again until I come back to Israel. And you'll be in such a bad fix, you'll be glad to see me then. And when you see me coming, when the cataclysmic curses of judgment's being poured out, and you look up in the midst of all your sorrows, you'll say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. But oh, that period between the time he went out and the time he's coming back. Blood, tragedy, scattered over the face of the earth. The bosses did it. God had some prophets that held him in line from time to time, but his son, prophet, priest, and king, was rejected. Joseph. Young person, your life will be a desperate life if God doesn't have his right place. Your home will be a desperate home if God isn't supreme. A classroom may have scholarship, but it'll be a desolate place if God isn't first. Woe unto the pulpit out of which God Almighty has walked. Woe unto Bob Jones University. If the day ever comes, we surrender to the pressure. And God looks out at the buildings here that were put up with sweat and blood and sacrifice and says, I used to be welcome around there. I had first place in those rooms. But little by little they compromised and, well, goodbye. Please, God. Oh, God, help us never to get in that fix. Help the faculty and students in this institution to always let this be God's school, not in name only, but really, in fact, God's school. Let's us this day, the last day of this semester, Let's give God again first place in our lives and in this school while we bow our heads for prayer. Blessed Jesus, thou art looking down as thou art now sitting at the right hand of the Father upon all of us here today. It sounds like current literature we read this morning. You walked out from churches and pulpits many, many times, out of theological seminaries and schools and colleges many, many times. 
out of homes, where there was spiritual life and then later desolation. You walked out because you were crowded out. Oh, Lord God, don't let us ever crowd you out here. Don't let us crowd you out of the laboratory or the business office or any other place around you. Don't let us crowd you out of our lives. Please help us. We need help. We're living in the midst of a, a million temptations today to compromise. It's not easy to just keep on fighting. But if we ever stop fighting, we're gone. We've got to keep on keeping on. Give us strength to do it. Give us courage to do it. Keep us faithful. Keep us true. We need you so much. The bosses are not for us. Ecclesiastical machinery is not for us. We lots rather have you for us. There'll be no desolation as long as you're for us. Keep us faithfully in everything, all the time, until you come again, Jesus. We pray this prayer in your name. And if we know our hearts, we pray it sincerely in your name. Amen.